Thanks, Amanda. Um, again, my name is Pastor Cooper. I am honored to be here um, speaking at Cheney Faith. And what is really cool is I don't recognize everybody here, which is awesome. That means God is doing things and there's people who are coming to know who Jesus is. So I was on staff here for just right at seven years as a pastor. My wife grew up in this church. Her family has been a part of this church since almost day one when the church was planted in 1981. And so this has been our home church for a long while. But last year, um, well, even really a year and a half ago, we started feeling maybe there was something new happening in just our lives and God's leading to step out and to uh, be lead pastors and to lead a church. And so working with our denomination, we're Foursquare. Um, we had a lot of options to kind of pray through of where God might lead us to pastor and to um, help a church that was in transition. And that ended up being Shelton, Washington, which is about a half an hour north of Olympia. It's in a beautiful place, just on the base of the Olympic Mountains, hour away from the ocean, Puget Sound right in there. Um, but it's also an interesting town. Um, it's, a, it's like if you take Airway Heights and Cheney and put them together, that's kind of Shelton, about the size of it. There's also a lot of um, brokenness in the city that we um, at first were like, whoa. Lord, why are you leading us here? Like, we, we did the whole thing. We typed in, like, what's the crime rate? And, like, we're just like, you know, we have kids and all that stuff. And we're like, oh, that's different than Cheney. Okay, Lord. Um, but we have just seen so many amazing things of just the Lord work in that environment already. And we just feel so called um, to be a part of that city and to just spread the gospel there and to, to bring people to true life. Um, and a life in Jesus there. So um, I'm honored to be here. Um, our church is doing the same series here. We're, we're in the book of Ephesians. Back in March and April, Mark and I were like, hey, let's do like a summer series together. Then my wife was like, we should also do like a pastor swap. Like once in the summer, like we'll come there, we'll speak, and then you go over to Shelton and speak. And so Mark and Kate are going to come over in two weeks and speak over at our church. And I'm really excited for them to see our church and just our environment and for them and for my church to even hear um, Pastor Mark and all that stuff. So it'll be, it'll be super fun. So we've been in the same exact series as you all. And I'm just going to continue on in where you have been. And so today we're in chapter four of the book of Ephesians. And this is in a, a kind of an important section. I call it a hinge point of scripture. And so the first three chapters has been Paul laying out this huge foundational work of who we are in Christ. And um, this series has been called In Christ. And so it's who we are in Christ. Then in chapter four, in that first verse, he says, therefore... That's like the hinge point word. And if maybe you've heard this phrase, but you ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Like, why, why does he have that word there? What's therefore, therefore. It's therefore because he is now saying, if this is who we are in Christ, we should start seeing these things lived out in our lives and also displayed and seen in the church. Paul is really kind of being direct towards the church in the people of the church, but he's like, man, we should be seeing in the church makeup the things of Jesus. Yeah, we know that the church is made up of broken people and all that stuff, but we have Christ in us. And if we are in Christ, we are going to see people like moving in, 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 in the image of Christ, and the church will be seen as that. So the world, when they look at the church, 
They see Christ in the church. And so in this section of scripture, uh, chapters four, five, and six, Paul starts to kind of just like poke us a little bit. We're going to get a little uncomfy. He starts to just kind of just slowly like just push and prod because he's getting a little personal um, in this. And he's like, hey, if we're all about Jesus, then we're going to start seeing these things in our lives. We need to realign our lives into these truths of who we are in Christ. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to read um, verses, chapter 3, starting in verse 20, kind of with our, with our context, and then lead into this big chunk of Scripture. I'm going to read it all the way through. One of the things that we're doing at my home church is we're reading through the entirety, which I know you guys are too, of, of Ephesians. We have little journals that go along with it. Um, but on Sundays, I want to make sure we're reading through the entire book of Ephesians when we're preaching. So if, if nobody's, nobody's reading the book, it's like, hey, if you're coming to church, you're reading the book of Ephesians. So I'm going to get you no matter what. Um, so that's kind of my heart and why I'm reading that whole chunk of scripture. So here's where we're at. Uh, Ephesians 3, I'm starting in verse 20, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I want to stop right here. This is like the last part of his first half of his letter. And it's like a mic drop, so to speak, where Paul is just like, man, like infinitely more will God do. Like, isn't that good? Like all glory to God in the church. And he's just like kind of like this walk off a little bit. And that amen part is actually a part in the church that the church would call back and say, amen. Because they're like, yes, like preach it, preach it, uh, Paul. Even though somebody else is reading the letter verbatim. But they're like, Paul, you're, you're writing good stuff. Even though you're in jail, like you're writing good stuff. And so this is kind of like awesome. But then we get to this part, therefore. And it's like, oh, therefore what? And so now your ears are perked because you're like, we're all doing good. This is great. Such an encouraging word of who we are in Christ. But now Paul says, therefore, he says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ, that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Sometimes the word pastor, it would be translated as shepherd, and that's probably the more accurate way to say it. So it's kind of just bringing in the context of we don't really call people shepherds in the church like we kind of do, but it's mostly pastor. It's a little side note. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, as we gather and just allow your word to speak truth to us, um, Holy Spirit, use that, minister to us. Lord, Holy Spirit, let your word speak out. Let it not be mine, but just straight from you, God. Use me as your vessel. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to hear from you this morning, that we are reminded of who we are in Christ. Lord, we give you glory and praise. And um, again, we're just thankful that we are gathered here to receive from you today so we can respond to your saving message and be restored by who you are. Praise your name. Amen. Well, in this opening section of, of chapter four, um, Paul hits a few things right away for the reader to know, to understand, and to really begin to live out in the immediate context because they are in Christ. As Paul has kind of been building this thing up, like if you're in Christ, we should see this. And this is the first thing. As disciples of Jesus, we are humble, we are patient, and we make every effort to stay united in the Spirit. That's kind of like the first big thing that he actually uh, communicates about the therefore. Like, therefore, if we are in Christ, we should be seeing these things. And if he's putting a priority of writing that first, that means it's a priority. He's saying we should see people who are humble, who are patient, making every effort to stay united in the Spirit. And he doesn't really have, like, excuses, He's just speaking the truth. He is not saying like, well, maybe in this case, you can be really angry if you want to or whatever. No, he is saying like, this is who we are. In verse one, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord. He's just like, hey, remember, I'm in jail, y'all. Like I'm in prison serving the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be living this out in my context. Just remind you, like you guys are not in jail. I am. <laughs> but he says, I beg you. And the word choice, uh, choice of, of begging you is not this like, come on, just, just like, just be humble. I, I just really beg you. Like, just please, please, please. That's not what Paul is saying here. The word choice that he is originally using is pretty stern and pretty direct. And it can actually be used in some military contexts when somebody gives like a charge or a command, they expect that person to come to your call when it comes to like direction. So he's like, hey, I am urging you to live a life worthy of the calling that God has given you. Like this should be happening. Like you need to be doing this. He's being pretty stern to the church in Ephesus. And depending on your personality makeup, you can either take that as like a, oh, like he's mad at me. Or you can take it as like, yeah, I'm encouraged. I, yes, let's live this out. Preach it, Paul. So it kind of depends on how you want to take that. Regardless, Paul is saying in the church, if we are in Christ, this is what we should start to see within the church. 
is this humility, this patience, and the church making every effort to stay united in who we are in Christ. And that's massive, right? If you believe in Jesus, if you by faith have been saved, seen the power of God in your own life, coming from death to life, like these are the outcomes of who you are in Christ. It's also like an if-then statement. If you ever took the SATs in like high school, there was like that section of like if-then statements, and you're like, what is going on? Like, if a golf ball is like this, then a monkey is like this, and you're like, what? I just want to just go to college. Like, what is going on? But what Paul is saying is like, if we are in Christ, then our lives should actually be seen as if we are in Christ. Are the ways that we are interacting with each other, that we're living our life, that we're holding ourselves, should be seen in the ways of Jesus. He is making it very, very clear. Um, kind of as a, a, a similarity, the book of Colossians, written around the same time of, um, as Ephesians, written by Paul, says a lot of similar language. But in Colossians chapter 3, it talks about how we should clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy and have patience and really make, make effort to stay united. It's a very similar thing. And, and I take that always in, in this thing of sometimes as Christ followers, we're like, yes, I believe in Jesus, but we forget to put our clothes on and it's really awkward when we walk around. We're like, oh, I'm not clothing myself in tender-hearted mercy. I'm running around buck naked right now and people are looking at me and it's weird. Like Paul is really wanting to make sure that we, if we are in Christ, people are seeing us as individuals who are in Christ. Paul is known in his letters to not be a dynamic speaker, but he's known to say, like, I am unashamed to preach the gospel. No matter what context I'm in, no matter where I've been placed, whatever has happened to me, I'm going to live this gospel truth out of who I am in Christ. Again, he's like, there's really no excuse. Like, I've, he's been through it all. And he is, he is like, I am going to preach the gospel and let people see the gospel in my life as well. There, there's a quote that gets tossed around in the church, which um, in, in general is, is a good thing. It says, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. And we need to still speak the gospel. <laughs> we still need to like tell people about it. But the heart of it is like, man, like, people should already see the gospel being lived out in our lives without having to like, ask you a question of like, wait, do you believe in Jesus? They should already be like, there's something different about this person, and they are already living a life that is countercultural to what we see, and they are loving, they are kind, and they, they, are, they, are, they seem like a, like a Jesus person. Like, that is good. And so what Paul is saying is like, if we are in Christ... If all these truths about what we just read in the first couple of chapters are accurate, then like we should see that lived out in the church. We should start seeing people living out a life that is in Christ. So Paul also brings everybody together on this message of unity, not unity in an agenda of culture, but a unity in Christ, united in the spirit. In verses five and six, he says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. That is a very, very big statement of the time, especially to the church in Ephesus. If you um, remember just their context, the audience, the church is made up of Greeks 
and Greek Jews in a large progressive city that's in, in the Roman Empire that has a lot of idolatry and little G gods. Part of just their normal way of life is in their houses, in their places of businesses, they would have their little Parthenons, like their own little like display buffet hutch table with little tiny statues of every little god that they could kind of collect just so they can make sure that they're covering their basis whenever it comes to whatever it is. Like, well, I got this little god for this day and this little god for that day and then, you know, all that stuff. It's like, that's what they want to make sure. Paul was like, no, no, no. There is one God. One God. There is one faith. There is one baptism. Baptism isn't just a Christian thing. There was lots of people baptized into a lot of things during this time. And baptism really represents like your commitment to that way of life. There was people committed to a lot of weird pagan idolatry things. He is like, no, there is one baptism that is being baptized into the ways of Jesus. There is one faith. There is one God. He's bringing everybody together on a single message about Jesus. And the church has a very diverse makeup of people who have come from all sorts of walks of life, have believed all certain different things, and he's bringing them all back to the same page of like, no, we are about Jesus. This is who we are. We are going to be united in this. This is what brings us together. It's not like this agenda or that or this or this. It is Jesus. So one of our points is this. The church should be united in Jesus. The church is united in Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is seen in the church. The church in Ephesus was doing a fairly good job in living this out. But they need to be reminded of this core value as well. We know in, in the book of Revelation, there's a call out to the church in Ephesus where John, well, Jesus really, through John's prophetic um, vision, uh, they're like, church in Ephesus, you're doing a lot of good things, but you forgot about your first love, and that's Jesus. The church in Ephesus is doing okay, but not great. And so Paul is reminding them, be united in Jesus. Because his kind of bent here in this letter is he wants people to see the church in Ephesus as a movement of people united in Christ. He wants people just to, when they, when they see the church, they see Jesus. Yeah, there's broken people in the church, but he's like, we're above that because we have been restored to life in Christ. So let's live like that. Let's live like the restored people of Jesus. Let's live that out in our lives so that people, when they see the church, they see Jesus. And that's who we are in Christ, and that is his message in this letter, and where this hinge point is starting, where he is really starting to hit kind of the, the big things of where we should be applying these truths within our life. So if you were in the church in Ephesus, you need to have patience. You need to be humble. You needed to make every effort to maintain the peace. Maintaining peace does not mean avoidance. It always means directing people back to the ways of Jesus and bringing us back into unity in Christ. So Paul, while he's writing his letter in jail, he's making it clear. He's like, even as a prisoner for the Lord, serving the Lord, like, I'm, I'm remembering who I am in Christ. Like, this is how I'm living. This is who I am. So I'm going to live my identity out in the context that God has placed me in. That context was prison. He is using that as his platform to live out the ways of Jesus. And Paul, in all of his letters, 
He is very gospel-centered. He is always bringing people back to like who we are in Christ. And because of Christ doing this and Christ did this, like this is how we should live. This is how we should um, be as a husband or as a wife, as a child, as a, as a, as a father, mother, as an employer, as a boss, like all, like all these things. He brings it always back into we should be acting as if we are in Christ first and everything falls underneath that because that is our gospel-centered approach. And so it's about turning people to Jesus, about us aligning ourselves to the person of Jesus, to recognize and be reminded of who we are in Christ so that we are living that out, allowing the deeper heart change to happen because of what Christ is doing in us. Like we've read earlier in chapter 3 and chapter 1 of of, of the book of Ephesians, like Christ has done an, an amazing work through his death and resurrection. Like there is power in what he has done. He has transformed us. We have been from death to life. There is power in that. And we, don't, we can't even understand how deep his love is for us. But he has done that. And so that is our basis that we live from when we live out our life. What is happening um, in our common day of church and discipleship, and because we have so much content um, I think, like, in our current days, we don't have a content issue at all. Like, there is so much stuff out there. You can go on YouTube, TikTok, whatever website, social media thing. You could find great, good things. But with that, we sometimes lose our view on where Jesus is in those contents. We just like the big one-liners, the little, like, quick grab-and-go stuff, and we kind of forget to get back to the core message of who Christ is And sometimes we can begin to align ourselves to those little tidbits, those little memes, those little um, YouTube shorts or this, that, or the other, these different posts on on social media, and we become kind of under that teaching, under that. And we slowly just slide ourselves away from that gospel-centered, like, it's all about Jesus. And we become aligned kind of to, to this ministry or to this preacher or to this thought or to this agenda. And then we become loyal to that. And we start to have a little bit of defensiveness if some people are like, I don't know, like there's something different that scripture speaks to. We're like, no, 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 no. Like I saw this, it was true. And we get a little defensive. And we get a little just like, and that's what causes some schisms. That's what causes some opposition in the church. And we start to see this being played out. Paul is reminding us, it's not about those things. It's about who we are in Christ. What's becoming more rare, and I'm preaching to the choir right now as well, in this is it's more rare when people will come up to me as as a pastor and say, man, I was reading my Bible today and the Holy Spirit revealed this truth to me in scripture and it's rocking my world right now. I rarely hear that. What I usually hear is you should see this one preacher on TikTok. He's pretty cool. Okay, he probably is. He's probably got a good message, I'm hoping, like I'm really hoping, but it's usually like this person, this ministry, or that. And Paul, in this letter, I mean, he is, he is telling the church, like, we got to be aligned in Jesus. we got to be aligned on what he is saying. And I think for us right now, in this cultural moment, we got to be aligned to the truth of Scripture. we got to be aligned to the heart of who Christ is and our foundation in him. So I have kind of a couple of questions for us, and this, it is a little bit longer, but it's this. What is our current response to others who have a different opinion? 
different thought, different, um, or maybe a fault in their learning. They're kind of processing what it means to be a Christ follower. Like, what, what is our response to them if they're kind of in a different place? Is it modeled in the heart of being in Christ? Like, are we just avoiding it? Like, I don't want to have it, like, like the conversation. Or are we like, man, I want to bring those people again to the alignment in Jesus. Like, that's a little weird what was posted, like on their social media. Like, I don't know about that. Or how have we been responded to in our growth? Sometimes in, in our learning, we might, we might say things and it might not be like correct. And sometimes we get like our hands bit off in that. We're like, whoa. Like, and then we kind of say, I don't really feel comfortable at all sharing in the church anymore. Like, because I did that one time, uh, I had this person pray for me and they just like kind of railed me, raked me over the coals for what I said. And I'm, I'm just learning. So I don't ever want to share again. I don't feel comfortable. Paul is saying like, make allowance for faults. Like, let there be some openness in this process of us becoming mature in the image of Christ. And so we have to have that too. Um, and I think sometimes as, as a pastor, um, and like the analogy is like a shepherd who's like leading the flock or whatever, I have to remind myself that sheep can bite. They can. Just because we're all sheep and shepherds and all that stuff doesn't mean we can go, ah, 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 you know, when we're like just doing our life. And so we have to, like Paul is saying, be humble, make allowance, be patient, but make every effort to stay united in who we are in Christ. Like that's where we put the effort is to be united in Jesus. We are always going to be learning things. We're never going to like fully arrive, but sometimes we become the opposite of a learner. The opposite of a learner is a know-it-all. Nobody likes a know-it-all. Ask my wife. She will tell you. I don't like know-it-alls because sometimes I know. No. But we have to be open and we have to be, again, under the, the, the headship of the words of Jesus and what he is saying. And that kind of comes to this next little point, response versus reaction. We're always going to be in, in life where things are going to cause us to either give a reaction or a response. What I see scripture point to time and time again, I think what Paul is even saying here is we should not react in situations like being humble, making allowance for faults, making every effort to maintain the peace is a response to certain things. In our culture, reactions is what it is. It's like quick. It's in the moment. It's emotionally led. Response comes from a foundation. It's a little bit slower. It's thought through. And so when something is said or, or when somebody says something, we can either react to it like, that, that's, what, are, what are you saying? Ah! Or we can respond to it and kind of just take a quick moment. And if we are responding from a foundation that is in Christ, then our response is usually going to model the heart of Jesus and how we're interacting with those people. It's probably going to be a little bit more kind. It's going to be humble. It's going to hopefully lead everybody back to our need for Jesus and his Holy Spirit, realizing like, yeah, we, we, are, we are broken. We need Jesus in our lives. Let, let's come back to this together. So a response is coming from our foundation of who we are in Christ. It doesn't mean we can't correct, but what do we correct to? We correct back to Jesus. We always correct to what is true and what is forever and what is good. Not as God's word, not as Jesus. 
we always correct back to that. We always align back to that. This is done in a way that is humble, gentle, loving, patient, kind, a.k.a. the fruits of the Spirit, like that we are living that out. And this is, you know, no surprise, but 2020 and 2021, the church didn't do a great job in this, in living out this, this truth. The world looked at the church during those years. They're like, you're no different than us. In fact, you try to hide it even more, <laughs> and then it gets uncovered, and it's just even more weird. Like, what's going on? Like, there was a lot of moments where the church was seen and Jesus was not seen in the church. There were lifelong relationships decimated in the church about fabric the size of an index card. And the church, again, was not seen as one that was in Christ and processing through and making allowance and making every effort to stay united. No, it was like, you're either this way or that way. You're either this or you're that. And we're right and you're wrong, or we're, we're right and you're wrong. It was just... But what I see Paul saying and reminding us is, is this point. As life-giving disciples of Jesus, we live out our unity in Christ so the world can see the power of Christ in the church. Yeah, at Harvest Foursquare, which is the church that um, I'm pastoring in and leading right now, our, our mission statement is to saturate Shelton with life-giving disciples of Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the people of Shelton. We want to saturate that. It also rains 60 inches of, of rain a year, so it's like saturation is already there. So, so I always tell my church, I'm like, hey, when it rains, that's a reminder that we are to saturate this city with life-giving disciples of Jesus. And they're like, no, <laughs> it rains too much. I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but our heart is because Jesus Christ has come to give us life and life to the full. Let's bring that message to the world. And so when the world sees the church, they should see the power of this life-giving message in the church. They should see it lived out in the diversity in the, in the people that are a part of the church that have been changed by the gospel and then are living that out because they are united in Christ. That's what I see Paul's heart living out. And that's what my heart is living out too. Um, do we, is that picture working, Kellen? Maybe. There it is. Nice. Um, so we've, we've met some new people in Shelton. And... Um, this is just last, last week we were having dinner. So in the back is Pastor Joel Warnock. Um, him and his family just moved to Shelton in April. They are the new pastors of the Assemblies of God Church in Shelton. And I heard that he moved there, and I was like, I got to meet this guy. I'm a new pastor in our family. Like, they're new. Like, I don't know if he knows anybody. So we became fast friends. And we have a very similar heart and heartbeat for our city of Shelton. We both recognize the, the brokenness of the city. But both of our families were just moved by like, man, we just feel like led here by God's Holy Spirit to just bring life to the city. And so uh, Joel and I, we meet up almost weekly. This was like the third or fourth time we've had dinner as a family and the kids get along and, and we're at different churches. We have very similar theology, but we're at different churches. And we're like, let's do stuff together. Let's show our city which is new for our city. It's been very fragmented in how the churches have led in that, in that small town. I was like, 
Let's do stuff differently. Let's, let's, let's partner because we both want to see Jesus just bring life to the city. And so our hearts is like, we're going to live this out. Like, we're not going to just preach about it and talk about it. We're going to do this thing. And so I took that picture the other night when we were having dinner of like, hey, two pastors are getting along together and we're not talking about like our church and like this and like, you know, we have this big of a congregation or this and we're doing this with our budgets. It's just like, man, we want to just bring life to the city. How can we help each other out? We like borrow stuff that we have. It's like, hey, like his printers weren't working for their VBS. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like use as much of our stuff as possible. And we're like, we just want to bring life to the city. We want to be united in who we are in Christ, number one, so that people, the people of Shelton can see like, oh, wow, that's different. Well, these churches are working together. Like they're, they're doing some good things. So we want that to be modeled out. Jesus modeled this in his ministry with his disciples they were not all good little church boys. I don't think we realize that sometimes. When we think about the disciples of Jesus, sometimes we look at Sunday school pictures and like these perfect, like holier than now, like, you know, students of, of Jesus just walking around. No, they were jacked up and messed up people. They really were. And they did not get along all the time. They had completely different, like, thoughts about how things should run and this, that, and the other. And they were all messed up. But... They were being changed by Jesus and they were continually being brought into alignment of who Jesus is. Even up until the moment Jesus leaves after three years of ministry, they still weren't like fully on board with like, what is happening, right? Peter's like, I don't even know who Jesus is. I hate him. And they're like, what? Like you were with him for three years. He's like, I know. And he's just all jacked up and messed up. So Jesus had to live out his ministry with humility and, and patience and kindness. He made every effort to bring them together, right? And so I feel like we should do that as well. Sometimes we don't have no time for nobody in the church. I don't think that's the ways of Jesus. That's not what Paul is writing here. If we are in Christ, then we are living our lives out and everything that we do is in Christ as well. The next little section, and we're kind of winding down here, is in verse 7, Paul says the key word of however. So he's all about bringing people united in Christ. Like we are united. There is unity, one faith, one baptism. However, the church is also very unique and diverse. So Paul is preaching unity in Christ, but not uniformity. There is a diverse setting of giftings that Jesus has given the church to live out the Great Commission to accomplish and equip the people to do the good works of Jesus. So I want to read here in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Um, he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I'm going to stop there. The church is not based on everybody being the exact same across the board. Like You have to all look the same, dress the same, speak the same, um, all like the Seahawks or 49ers or whatever it is. I'm always the odd man out because I like the Vikings. And Mark's always like, why the Vikings? I'm like, I don't know. It's my family's team, I guess. But Ephesians 4.11 is commonly called the fivefold ministry. It's the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. The Foursquare Church 
sees the fivefold as giftings and roles that are in partnership with the Holy Spirit to build up the church and are for the church to be continued to be rooted in Christ, to be united in Christ. This four-square church does not see this as an office to be held, such as a person has the office of, I am an apostle, or I am a prophet. We would say this person has the giftings to be apostolic or to be prophetic, and I have a little list of some of the giftings, um, kind of what they would look like. This is my language writing. This is not like the perfect theological, like doctorate level things. It's more of Pastor Cooperish um, in here. But the, the apostle is someone who, who is gifted to be like a pioneer. And even the word apostle in the Greek means sent one. We're all sent out. We should all be sent out to preach the gospel. But for, if somebody is more apostolic, they're one who likes to awaken visions in others. Be like a fire starter. Not in a bad way. Um, not like start fires out in the wilderness. But to start fires spiritually in the lives of people. In new movements. They're very entrepreneurial. Um, the prophet, we love that gifting, are one who, who call people back to Jesus. They call people back to alignment with his word and the truth. They would say like, here's where culture is headed. This is not the way of Jesus. Or in the church, they might say, this is not us following the ways of Jesus. They are not afraid to exhort others back to truth. Evangelists, they love to talk with people. They're overflowing with the good news. They want to just spread the gospel and just talk with people about it. This is like my mom, like growing up, we'd be in like the grocery store and I was a pretty shy kid and she would just like get in these conversations and like a half an hour later, she's like praying for them and like preaching the gospel and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like how do you, uh, I was just always like on edge a little bit as a kid, like who's she going to talk to next? Who's she going to talk to next? You know, um, that was just like how she did things. Um, the shepherd role is somebody who does like the follow up. Um, it's really the one who loves those one on one coffee dates. They're like, you want to go to Starbucks? Yes, let's do it. And we just like, they meet for like three hours and, and just really talk about life and scripture and like the alignment and the formation. That's like that shepherd's heart. Um, the teacher is the heart and the role of really wanting to equip, to um, give the resource. This is my wife. She's all about resourcing the people. She wants to resource the people to be like Christ followers. And so she loves to do those things. And that's to train others to know about who Jesus is. And so we, we see this and these giftings are used because there's a diversity in who we are in the body of Christ. But it's used to bring people to Jesus to equip the church, to have it be a healthy church. And so our, our point is this, and what, and, what, and what I see Paul saying, and again, we can probably spend a couple of weeks just on that section of scripture alone, the, the fivefold ministry. But the greater context of what I see Paul preaching in this entire letter is this. A united church that is in Christ is using its diverse giftings to help the church and others become life-giving disciples of Jesus that are full of love. And I say that last part, full of love, and I have it in there because that's what we see Paul right here at the end of this section of Scripture. He says this in Ephesians 4. He says, because of this diversity of giftings, of who we are in Christ and all these things, he says, we will be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced. People try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. 
growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Then verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Like we are using our giftings, we're using our foundation to be united in Christ so that the world sees the church as a place of health, as a place of true life, as a place where there is this movement of people that have been transformed by the gospel that is rooted in love and they are a loving people. It is a place where there is goodness and there is, there is peace. That is what Paul is saying. He's like, we gotta use our giftings for that. Like, if we are gifted in a certain way, we don't use that for our own ministry just to be like, well, I have the, I have the gifting of being apostolic, so I'm, I'm pretty cool. Like, you know, like, that's kind of like Paul, right? Or we don't use like, oh, I have, I have a very prophetic gifting, like, I'm going to do this, 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 that, and the other, and all come to me. No, we use our giftings to help the local church out. And I really believe that means the local church, that we are building the body up. If you have that gifting, if you feel like you have certain giftings, like you are using that to build this local body up so that the people of the West Plains of Cheney are like, wow, this is a movement that is healthy, it is growing, it is full of love. Like there is something different about this. I am seeing Jesus in the church. There is something that is mind-blowing about this. That's what Paul is writing here. If we are in Christ, if we have all the blessings of Christ that, that we are forgiven, like we have been brought from death to life, like this is all guaranteed by God's spirit upon us, like if all these things are true, then let's see them in the church. Let's see them being lived out. Let's see that being lived out in the, in the diverse giftings that are in the church so that people are like, wow, like there is power in the body of Christ. There is power in the church because, yeah, we've been, we've been brought from death to life. There is power in that. Through the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to carry that out forward in the good giftings that he has given us. It's not for us to build up our own agenda or our hierarchy, our hierarchy to say, like, I am the most holy. I truly hear from God. No, it's, it's saying, man, like, I am honored that I can use this gifting to bring people back to the truth of Jesus and to help others to be equipped to carry out their calling as well. Jesus is the head of the church. We are united under him using the different functions he has given to continue this health and mission of the church. The gifts should always bring people to Jesus. It should never bring people to a person. And the gift should always encourage the church back to a faith in Jesus, reminding us of our identity of being in Christ. A couple of questions, they're not going to be on the screen, but just something just to like even think about and process, not just today, but just if you, if you are a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, just something to always ask yourselves. And that's, that's this, as, as a believer that is in Christ, how am I doing? Just asking yourself like, like, how is this going? Like, like, how am I living out my identity in Christ? Like, how am I living out these truths that I'm reading in this, like, Ephesians study or whatever? Do people see me as patient and humble? That's a good question to ask yourself. Am I approachable to have a conversation? In my discipleship, am I open to correction? 
And you know what? Even in those last two questions, if you want to be so bold, ask somebody close to you to ask those questions and you'll really get an answer. And it's like, oh, wow, thanks. If I'm leading others, is it my way or the highway? Am I a learner? Am I seeing the giftings for my benefit to gain more authority? Or am I using my giftings to encourage the church? Like, how, how am I doing in this? As, as a life-giving disciple of Jesus, if what I'm reading is true in scripture, like, is this happening in my life? We are in a time of culture where the church is under a microscope. People have lost faith in the institution of church. And even a lot, a high percentage of people who have grown up in the church have just fled and they're gone. They have seen things, they've experienced things. They're like, this is not Jesus. And they're outie. And sometimes I don't blame them. So how do we gain this back? I believe we do what Paul says because he's bringing people back to Jesus. I believe we live out what Paul is preaching first here in our own lives at Cheney Faith Center, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, at Yokes, at Zips, wherever. Like we live out who we are in Christ first and foremost now. And that people will see the church of like, wow, there's something different here. There's something going on that just is different than other churches. And I believe what Paul is saying, he's like, church in Ephesus, you are in a hard environment. You are in Ephesus, in a very progressive city where like their whole thing is about Artemis, the temple of Artemis and making little silver statues about that. And like, that's all they do and talk about. Like you are living in a hard place, but people are starting to see the church as something different. They're starting to see a group of people who once were X, Y, Z, but are now in Christ. I believe we can change the perspective of the culture by just simply living out who we are in Christ, our firm foundation of who we are in Jesus, and letting that be the thing that is seen and heard from others in our, in our community. I believe that with my whole heart because that's the way of Jesus. And if we are disciples of Jesus, we follow the ways of Jesus. That's what we've been baptized into. That's what we believe in. He has come to give life and true life for any and all people who say yes to him. If we believe in that, let's live that out and let's take that message to other people as well to tell them about the goodness of love in Jesus. And like Paul says, when he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling God has bestowed on you, I think we gotta live that out. Like, are we living a life worthy of our calling? Whatever God, whatever context God has placed you in, am I living that out in a worthily manner? And, and, I, and I pray that as we process that, that we can say, yeah. Or like, you know what? There's some areas that I need to work on that I need to just realign back to Jesus. And I believe that as a pastor, I can help pastor people, but the best is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit truly ministers to each one of us. And so I, by faith, wholeheartedly believe the Holy Spirit will bring you into those moments of like, I need to, I need, I, I just need to realign my life in here. I need to bring it back under who Jesus is. And I believe God can speak to you in that. 
not only in this moment, but throughout the moments of the day, the weeks, the months, the Holy Spirit will minister to each one of us in that. So I want to pray for us in this time. And then after service, there's also going to be some people available for prayer. If you just need to just process some things, um, I really encourage you to do that. I would love to pray with you as well if, if you want to do that. But again, what I see Paul speaking here and reminding us is living a life worthy of our calling means we are united in Jesus and just his ways are flowing out of who we are. And that is seen in the church through the unique diversity of giftings that he has given the church in that. So Lord Jesus, we again thank you for the power that there is in your gospel. That through your death and resurrection, we have been raised to life. We have been restored to life, true life. And there is power in that. And so God, as we continue on with our days, remind us of that power in our lives but remind us of how to stay firm and united in that gospel-centered message of who we are in you and that we live that out in our humility and our patience and our kindness and how we are making every effort to keep the peace, but in that to bring people back into alignment with Jesus so that the world would see you in the church. They wouldn't see a famous person or this, that, or the other, or a cool thing, but that they would see Christ in the church and the power of Christ in the church and that we can bring uh, people from different backgrounds united, working together, praying together, worshiping together because they're not united in a style or this, that, or an agreement of political stuff, but they are brought together under the lordship and the headship of you, Jesus. So I pray that is lived out. I pray that people would see that in the church and the power in that. So Lord, as, as we continue on, Holy Spirit, continue to minister to us. Consider just to con continue to speak truth to us, Lord. In, in our time of, of reading the word and in our devotions and journaling, that you would just continue to speak to us through your word, Lord. So I pray for that, God. And Lord, we give you all the thanks and praise that we get to gather and talk about these things and have fellowship, Lord. What a blessing that is. And so we give you all the glory in that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'll have to at least say it so I can tell Mark and Kate I did my due diligence. Always remember that Jesus loves you. So do Mark and Kate. <laughs> So that's, that's that check off there. Um, but again, I'm so honored to be here. Um, thanks for um, just always being such a kind place. And it's been fun to just update some people about things in our lives. And so um, thanks for your support and prayers. I know people are praying for us in Shelton here at Cheney Faith Center. So thank you because um, we need it and God's doing some great things. But so thanks for praying with us and for us and that. So God bless and um, we'll see you sometime soon. <laughs>